The two ships emerged from hyperspace, not far from their destination. The sensors read the system and planet before them as Paramaton. It was an out-of-the-way system that read on the charts purely as a world that was bypassed, but still belonged on the map because its primary world could sustain life. Though there were possibilities for mining, the harsh environment made such endeavors inefficient. Huge animal species preyed on one another. Some had gone extinct. Huge earthquakes created giant fissures in the ground that formed canyons. It was enough to convince everyone to avoid it. So, death trap, death trap, death trap, oh, and look, death trap. Sounds like just the place we want to be, Huff said. Welcome to Star Wars, Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc, and the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Last time, our intrepid group of operatives found a holocron on the wreckage of an old ship. In it, the image of a Jedi told them that whoever found it was chosen by the Force, and would therefore be able to wield its powers. There were instructions on how to build a lightsaber, and coordinates to the Paramaton system where they could find kyber crystals to make them work, and possibly more. Felina's eyes were half-closed in a mesmerizing meditation. The holocron had been teaching her to concentrate, and to let the Force be her guide. As such, she was detecting where on the planet the kyber crystals were. She felt a strong presence in one specific direction where several of the larger canyons came close together and merged through smaller fissures. As they neared the planet, Valina enhanced the screen to get a better look at the area, and found a canyon where her senses were drawing her. She pointed this out to the others. Rez did his own scans, and came back with bad news for everyone. He sent over images he was seeing right next to the canyon Valina was pointing out. These images revealed several metallic dots zigzagging around the planet's surface. Looking them over, Huff identified them first. They were probe droids. Their hearts sank with the knowledge that the probe droids only needed to get a momentary look at them, and the planet would be blockaded with Imperial vessels. Rez then noticed something else about his scans. One of the neighboring canyons that came close to their goal stretched away until it was far out of sight. They could drop into that far away, then fly low inside the canyon until they got close, then disembark from there. Everyone agreed, and they did as he suggested. The flight along the canyon was a bit perilous, but nothing the pilots couldn't handle, and they made it to the canyon neighboring their destination and landed in a natural cul-de-sac. They emerged from their ships and began climbing, leaving R5-D6 and Duke to watch the ships. They could radio them with an alarm if anything went wrong, and could even take off if need be. They needed to reach the top of their canyon, then lower into the neighboring one. Valena went first since she had the best sense of where the crystals were, and because she was the most well-trained at sneaking past enemies. She was followed by her fellow Twi'lek from her village, Puckvikok, who was also trained at moving silently. When they reached the top, they kept their heads low as they peered over, 
each a separate direction in search of the probe droids. One of them was far to the right, but in sight, and another was coming up to them from the left. Felina dropped her head down and pulled his down as well, hoping the probe droid hadn't seen them. The low hum and electric chatter grew louder as it approached. Felina could feel the sound vibrations in her clothes. Then it passed by and continued along the canyon's top. Jarn came up next, and Valina held out her hand, stopping and shushing him. The probe droid continued away until it reached the other probe droid. Valina and Pukvakak peeked over and watched as the two droids floated away together into the distance beyond some rocks and cliffs. Valina scurried up to the top and took cover behind some rocks with her pistol out, thus covering the others. She waved them across. Pukvakak rushed across first, taking cover and watching the opposite direction. The rest hurried across the thin patch of land until they reached the cliff on the other side, a distance of about 50 feet, and they began climbing down. Once everyone was across, Felina and Pukvakak joined them. Despite no one being an expert climber, there were no major incidents. That is, until they reached the bottom. At which point Vresh slipped and fell, right onto Rez. It not only squashed him, but it made Rez bite his lip. Ouch! As soon as Valina hopped off the cliff wall, she stepped in one of the directions. She was drawn that way, and so were Elor and Jarn. They saw three cave entrances. Two were close together, and one was separated. The kyber crystals were in there. They all knew it. They felt it. Now they had to decide which entrance they would go in. They pondered the possibilities, considering which would most likely get them to their destination first. Was it better that those two entrances were close? Or did that mean the furthest one was... Huff marched past everyone and headed toward the far entrance that was apart from the others. Vresh followed and approached the cave entrance with him. The three force-wielders went next, followed in the rear by Rez and Lieutenant Wen. The rocky corridor grew dark quickly, the walls and ceiling closing in around them. Light from electric lanterns held by Huff in the lead and Rez in the back bathed them in a bubble of pale light. The cavern in front of them opened up into a shallow bowl where the floor collapsed downward into a depression. The passage seemed to continue in two directions in the far side of the room. Huff and Fresh started for the corridor on the left, and as they lowered into the bowl, their eyes began to water, and hacking coughs ripped into their lungs. At the first sign of this, Huff jumped back to the others. Fresh was slower to react. Though not injured badly from his fall, his feet were a little shaky, and he stumbled back choking. He threw up on the wall, barely missing Jarn. Ugh, Wookie vomit! They all hurried through the chamber, getting into the corridor beyond before more of them grew sick. Up ahead, Huff spotted thin white lines stretched tightly across the passage at knee height. They partly blocked the corridor leading ahead and drove into a chamber to the right. Huff approached the white lines and found several more crisscrossing along the hall. Once again, they did not entirely block the way, but the people would have to maneuver through to get past. And the lines reached into the darkness to the adjoining chamber. Huff slowly stepped over one of the lines, and though his foot stepped down onto the ground, his leg tapped the white line. He immediately felt his pants get stuck, and he saw a vibration from the wires shake up into the dark chamber. His eyes grew wide as Huff tried to peer into the darkness, and Vresh looked over him to see as well. All they could make out were more crisscrossing lines deeper inside. What's going on? Valina asked, but no sooner had she asked when all the wires around them began vibrating again. Slowly at first, then stronger and stronger. They didn't know what was coming out of the darkness, but Huff and Fresh spotted shadows approaching, so they fired at them rapidly. They heard a high-pitched squeal and tumbling on the line attached to Huff. Then the form scurried up and away, the vibrations subsiding. 
Huff shot the line that was attached to him, and it shattered into many crystalline pieces. He and Rush then shot away more of the lines around them, and urged everyone through quickly. They all ran as fast as they could, but as the last couple people passed, the line began to shake again. Rez was the last to pass, and as he did, a giant beast emerged from the shadows right at him. Oh, Thit! Rez exclaimed. He held up the electrolyte and got a good look at them. They were ten-legged spiders with bodies like rocky thorns and crystal legs. Rez shot one of them and held his light in their eyes. Frightened, the giant spiders retreated into the darkness. The vibration on the web subsided for a moment, then began vibrating faster and harder. Must move faster! Must move faster! Rez urged. The passageway ahead of them opened up into a wider corridor, one in which they could spread out and form a firing line, ready to shoot the spiders as they came up behind them. As they did, they heard an ominous crack in the cave ceiling. Without warning, part of the cavern's roof collapsed down on them. Jagged rock shards and choking clouds of dust dropped over the room. Everyone ran. Rez was pummeled, but Huff pulled him out so he would not be buried. Aylor pushed Felina out of the way of some of the boulders that landed on her instead. Fresh grabbed Aylor and pulled her with him, and they all stumbled out of the chamber. Into a wide room full of light and color. Glittering crystal spires jutted out from the walls of the cave, shining with an inner light that seemed to grow more brilliant as they approached. The cave was pristine, and everyone inside felt as though the outside world had fallen away, leaving them at peace, and one with the Force. Each of them who had Force powers was drawn to a certain color. Jarn was drawn to a deep blue, Valina was drawn to an amber hue, and Elor was drawn to a glowing mint green. Excitedly, but trying to remain calm with the Force, each of them pulled tools from their packs and chipped away, removing just enough kyber crystals from the rubid deposits to fit into the lightsaber hilts they had built on the way to the planet. Once they were locked into place, they each tried to turn them on. Aylor's did not. Neither did Valena's. But Jarn's did. It shone with a deep, classic blue, so dark it almost appeared black. He swung it skillfully around him a few times. Jarn had been training his whole life for this. No one else had ever seen one before. A face suddenly appeared in the crystal wall. It was hard to make out, but the lines on his face and the tone in his voice implied it was fearful. You must get out of there, it said. I am afraid I have led you into a trap. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!